0: We're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and it's the first 10 verses. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows such as one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man within the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knows, how that is caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I should not be a fool, for I would say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations that was given to me, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be called above my measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in mine infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions. In distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And God will bless the reign of His word.
1: I tell you, I tell you that last line, you won't be able to shake it off. It will it'll be with you. And uh, you'll be you'll be singing it at work, you'll be um, you know be in, in when you when you're in bed, you wake wake up, if you're anything like me, you wake up with it, and it's it's like a prayer, it's a like, it's a cry out to God and and God says, yeah, go for it. Go on, then. And, um, and, you know, there's a line in there that says, forgive us, Lord, when we have not engaged. scribe your name on history's page. And the question came to me, so what are you doing then, John? What are you doing to scribe the name of Jesus on history's page? What are you doing to make a difference? And uh, I thought back over my life, and there have been a couple of instances where God has used me to make a difference. And uh, uh, one of them was where um, uh, we've got crossings, haven't we, Alison? Yeah, we <laughs> got crossing. Uh, God has spoke to me. Uh, I'd felt God speak to me a number of times about uh, the danger of a school in uh, Lode Heath School, with children crossing the road. And there have been a couple of children have been killed over the years uh, crossing that road, coming home. And, um, and I felt, oh, I, should, I just felt I should do something. And uh, to get some crossings there, but I just kept pushing it to the back, back of my mind, no, leave it to somebody else. And then one day, uh, one of my children, Alice and herself, got knocked over coming out of school and was rushed into hospital. It was a very kind of upsetting, emotional day for all kinds of reasons. Alice was rushing home because we got a new budgie and she wanted to meet the budgie. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's funny, when, when when the enemy touches one of your own, you act. Yeah. And, uh, and I went round the estate, got a, got a petition up, and we, uh, we, got the, uh, we got the crossings there, the Allison crossings in Load Lane. And little did we know at the time that one day it would be leading people into church at Renewal uh, because then Renewal weren't there then. It was just a, a coach factory or something. And uh, so we had no idea. But God has used those crossings even to this day to keep children safe, and to actually Amen. help people across the road safely Amen. into church. So so uh, God used me to make a difference. Also in football, uh, for when we had all the violence in football grounds back in the, the 80s and the disasters and everything, uh, God spoke prophetically in church one morning. And, uh, you know, people were saying about football hooligans, ah, oh, bring back the birch, put them in prison, do this, that, and the other, um, and... Uh, Everybody was having their say except the church. I said, Lord, what's your church got to say about this? Where's the prophetic voice in the land? And one Sunday morning in the midst of church, uh, worshipping God, I felt God speak very clearly into my heart saying, said, let your voice be heard above that of the heathen. I said, what's that all about, Lord? He said, I want the voice of my church to be heard. I don't want your voice to be heard. But What can I do? See, my thought was, that's it, I'm not going to football anymore because of the hooligans. Uh, But I thought, no, if everybody, if all the good people stopped going to football Mm -hmm. and handed over to the hooligans, that's exactly what we've done. Over the years, Christians have abdicated their responsibility and have let the devil take over. And God said, no, it's time for my people to advance. And so, I just um, long story short, I formed, with the the club's permission, I formed a prayer group and... um, Aston Villa Christian Supports Association at the time. And uh, we, we existed for about four or five years before um, I moved away to Cornwall. And, anyway, um, but God spoke to us and said, one thing we could do, you know, we're back in the day and it's, it's, it's come back now with COVID, the football teams come out separately onto the pitch. And, um, and what that does, when the away team comes out, the, the whole ground is full of booze. Not B-O-O-Z-E, not, not that kind of booze, <laughs> B-O-O-S. <B-double-O-S. laughs> uh, they're booing, and it's a negative atmosphere. And, um, and we felt the Lord say to us, ask the manager, if, uh, the, the chairman, if at the next home game, at the start of the new season, the teams could come out side by side, like they do in international matches. And they were very agreeable. And they said, well, OK, we'll wait till the new fiction this comes out, and we'll see, uh, we'll see who we're playing, and then we'll ask, the, ask them if they agree. When the fixtures came out, the first match was home to Liverpool. And, of course, the thing that motivated us to do the thing in the first place was because of the Heysel Stadium riots involving Liverpool supporters and um, when, when, when so many people were killed. Um, and, and it was just ironic then that the first match of the new season against Liverpool, the team... Who, who, who got most criticism and, and were, ridic- were not, not really vilified uh, for their supporters' behaviour uh, at Heysel. And uh, anyway, fortunately, Kenny Dalglish uh, was very happy about this and he agreed to it. So that was the first game where, where people came out, teams came out side by side. And I didn't know until a few years later that that had become commonplace in the world of football. Uh, whereas up until then, it didn't really happen in club football. So we made a difference, and you can make a difference Amen. by Amen. by listening to the Holy Spirit and obeying the promptings that he brings to you.
0: Amen.
1: Now, the reading Alan brought to us, I've not got, ex- not got any experience like Paul had of being taken up into the third heaven, nothing like that. I, I, in no way would I compare myself with that mighty apostle. Um, you know, we, we, we do our best with what we have, with the revelations God gives us. And um, uh, Paul began to speak of the thorn in the flesh. And, you know, some people think the thorn in the flesh was his bad eyesight, and there's evidence for that. Uh, but Paul said he was a messenger from Satan who came to buffet him. So he could have been buffeted in his health, but he could have been buffeted. He was buffeted with shipwrecks and persecutions and all kinds of things. So he could have been referring to the, uh, uh, to the persecutions and the suffering he had, all kinds of things that, that Paul went through that most of us don't go through. But if it was to do with his eyesight, uh, then obviously I can relate to that and if you've got health issues you can relate to that and I come here today as Paul said in weakness I you know I'm amazed at the things that God does through ordinary people when I first became a Christian I was given some scriptures in Braille about about five or six scriptures to read and to memorize And one of the scriptures I was given was from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 where it says God will take the weak things of this world to confound the mighty and he'll take the foolish ones to confound the wise. And I thought I must have misread it. I thought that can't be right. God wouldn't take the weak and foolish. Surely he needs mighty and wise people. But now sure enough the truth is God takes weak and foolish people to do some confounding. And my prayer even back then was, Lord, do some confounding through me. Mm-hmm. Confound a few people, Lord, through my life. Mm-hmm. And, and thank God he, he has and he does by his grace. But actually, I, um, I feel you know, quite, quite weak at times. And people who know me know that, uh, yeah, people know I am I can't see at the moment. I lost my sight at the age of 19. And Joan is here also, and there's four of us in the family who, uh, who, are, uh, who, who are blind. There's myself, there's Joan, there's my brother Paul, and Joan's son, Matthew. But I also have a serious hearing impairment. Now, three weeks ago, just over three weeks ago, I woke up and all my hearing had gone from my left ear. So I cannot hear a thing out of my left ear, and I only have 30% hearing in my right ear. That's very difficult when you can't see. But I also have stage 1 leukemia, so the doctors say. I have an aneurysm in my left ear. I have severe arthritis in my my hips and back. And uh, sleep apnea is another one. So I have to wear a mask when I go to bed at night to help me breathe. Now, I stand here in weakness. I don't glory in that stuff. But I'm a man who believes in miracles. I'm a man who believes in signs and wonders, and thank God that he has used me to bring healing to others. Um, One of the first... I can remember uh, going to speak at a meeting in Redditch, and uh, on the way over there in the car, I began to have severe pain in my right ankle. I thought, this is weird. Where's that that come from? What's that all about? Anyway, um, we we had this meeting. It was a coffee morning, about 20 or 30 people crammed into a house. And um, when I began to speak, I was being distracted by this pain in my ankle. And uh, I suddenly thought, oh, yeah, I said, by the way, has anybody here got a pain in their left ankle? And uh, someone said, in fact, it was the guy who took me to the meeting. Uh, He was one of the elders of our church at the time. And he said, yes, John, I've got a severe pain in my ankle. He said, I dropped a wheelbarrow full of bricks on it yesterday. He said, I'm in agony. I'm due to have an x-ray this afternoon. Um, and so I prayed for him. On the way home, he said, uh, he said, my ankle feels pretty good. And his wife rang me in the afternoon to so say he, he was so well, he was bouncing around on his ankle, that he cancelled his x-ray. <laughs> so, hallelujah, that's... So I'm I just thrilled to be used like that with yes. little Amen. words that God gives us yes. when we've got to step out in, uh, even in nervous faith God will, God will encourage us, as our brother shared about Phil shared about the uh, those visions of those uh, those lumps. Uh, you know, God, God helps us. He, he's working with us. He's, he's cooperating with us to do these things. Now, I, I just love uh, I love it when you uh, when you're praying and you just sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And uh, a few years ago now. Uh, I was in prayer it was January morning and I was praying and I remember saying to God, I said, God, I'm bored with my prayer life. And the, the echo came back, so am I. And it rather took me aback. And I said, okay, okay, Lord, what, what do you want me to do about it? He said, for goodness sake, when will you start praying prayers that will excite me? He said, you know, like when you're at the football and uh, the match gets exciting, you, everybody stands up off, their, off, up off their chairs and stands up. He said, will you pray prayers will excite me and get me off my throne? Amen. And I wow. And I, I said, I began to think about it, according to Ephesians 3.20, about he's able to imagine, what we have to think or imagine. and so the, the, what came into my heart was myself, my sister, my brother, and my nephew, all blind, all living in different places, I said, God, it would be amazing if you were to touch and heal us wherever we are in the country at one moment in time. So all four of us were healed, a miracle, a sign and a wonder, wherever we are in the nation, or anywhere in the world for that matter, at any one time. Okay, all right. Okay, so... um uh yeah yes so that, that that was my prayer and um that, well i'm still praying it to this day i'm, I'm st- still praying it to this day but but god god's built on that since then and um i was uh, maybe over a year ago now I was just praying, and uh, I don't know why I was uh, thinking about holidays and uh, stuff, and um, I was thinking about how people go bed and breakfast and all-inclusive, and uh, all-inclusives have got very popular now. And, um, and I felt the Lord say, when it comes to healing, so many of my people are content with bed and breakfast when actually they can go all-inclusive, fully paid. And I I just sort of waited on God for him. He said, yeah, Jesus paid it all. So people often think, oh, John, yeah, we need to pray about his sight. But why stop there? You know, I want the all-inclusive. Jesus did it all on the cross. Jesus paid it all so we could be totally free. He took our sicknesses and our diseases in his own body upon the cross. We don't have to bear it. Even under the old covenants, God, when those two million people came out of Egypt, God said there was not one feeble one among them. He sent forth his word and he healed them all. And Simon, says he heals all our diseases, not just one or two at a time, but all at once. Hallelujah. It's it's just about where our faith and belief, our expectation is. But our God is able. He's not only able, He's ready and He's willing. And He needs you and me to begin to cooperate with Him and come into agreement with Him that this is the will of God. We want to see these signs and wonders. Hallelujah. So so God is able. God is able to do these things. Now, there's a wonderful verse I've discovered um, in Acts 10.38, it's almost become uh, my watchword. It says, Jesus of Jesus of Nazareth, who being full of the Holy Spirit and power, went about doing good and healing all, all who were oppressed by the devil. And I love the way it says, Jesus of Nazareth, who being full of the Holy Spirit and power. Okay? So, I truly believe it's not messing about with scripture for you and me to put our names in there. It didn't say Jesus, Son of God. It Jesus didn't say Jesus, uh, the mighty one, the healer, the redeemer. It said Jesus of Nazareth. In other words, it was, it was just, just Jesus, just Jesus of Nazareth, that's all. And he, he, was, he was, yes, he was the Son of God, but he came as the Son of Man. He came in his humanity to demonstrate to you and me what we could do in Christ. Hallelujah. So, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit and power. Are you full of the Holy Spirit? Hallelujah. Are you full of power? Yes, Yes, okay. Are you going about doing good? Yes. That's good. Are you healing all who are oppressed by the devil? Oh, (laughs) okay. Now, look, we it starts with going about doing good and you know when you do good sometimes in the very act of doing good you lift oppression off people because people are hurt and disillusioned and lonely and in desperate need and and when someone like you or me under the power of the spirit comes along and does an act of kindness led by the holy spirit it lifts it lifts oppression off them it, it, they, begin to, it, they, they have hope restored yeah. in humanity. And it's the first step often to them coming to Christ. But if we commit ourselves, first of all, to doing good, just acts of kindness, just respond to the Holy Spirit. Bake a cake. Give someone a gift that they just absolutely had no idea that would come in their way. Bless them in some way. Just have a hard to bless people. Even just opening a door for someone these days can be a blessing, but speak kindly to kind words. I'm so thankful to my friend Elizabeth Webb because she taught me the power of encouragement. You know, the emails we send out, emails. She said to me once, what does the E in email stand for? I said, electronics. She said, no, it doesn't. I said, what does it stand for? She said, encouragement. (laughs) Encouragement mail. When you say, hey, there's power sending an encouragement email, an encouraging text to someone, an encouraging phone call. That's old fashioned, isn't it? An encouraging phone call, uh, you know, whatever. But it's all about doing good as the Lord leads you. Say, Lord, I am willing to do good. Lord, will you show me who needs to receive my love today? Who needs a kind word? And then that will lead on, hopefully to be able to uh, um, to heal, to bring healing. You know, I used to think healing was just for the healing evangelists. You know, the Ben Hins of this world, the Reinhard Bonkers, the Catherine Colmans, and so on. Hey, but they do have a special anointing, there's no doubt about it. But God intends that every believer goes out and heals the sick in Jesus' name. Yeah. God intends that every believer rises up in their potential, in their calling, in their destiny. Hey, the Christian life was never meant to be dull, folks. It was meant to be an adventure, exciting. So let's get get on board with Jesus. Look, the disciples of Jesus—they got it wrong from time to time, didn't they? they? And Jesus had to sort of gently rebuke them. I believe sometimes he had a little bit of a laugh at their expense, uh, but he was training them on the job. And Jesus will train you and me on the job, oh, on the job, hallelujah. folks. I'm just drawing to a close, but um, I want you to know. And again, this is—I'm just—I'm just excited and thrilled. But uh, s- um, six of the last meet six of the last eight meetings where I've preached at people have said they were healed while I was preaching they were just healed they came to me afterwards and, or they've written to me afterwards and said while you were preaching the pain left my body while you were preaching I just know I received healing And so today, as the word has been preached, I believe, I believe that God has been moving amongst the people here and and doing some wonderful things. And you might well find uh, before you leave or when you get home that maybe you came here with some pain, some discomfort, some anxiety. It's gone. You maybe came here feeling overwhelmed with grief. You know, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And he, part of Isaiah says, says, what Jesus said about, I, I've come to uh, preach the gospel. He says, it, it's, it's good news for those who grieve in Zion. Amen. You know, we're in Zion today, the city of God. But there are those who may be grieving here this morning. God wants to lift that grief off. Amen. He wants to lift it off so he doesn't overwhelm you. Amen. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But Jesus said, I don't want it to overwhelm you. Grief will not overwhelm you. And I lift that off you today. If if the grief is overwhelming you, I lift it off in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, yes, so we're we're all about doing good, aren't we? We're all about about healing those being oppressed by the devil. Hallelujah. So we shake the devil off. Oh, that reminds me. Oh, Paul and Carol, it reminds me when I was in the Cayman Islands with you. And we went to, we went to a, a church in, uh, in Grand Cayman, my wife and I. And I'd been invited there to preach. I was so excited. Uh, They're all black people in the church. And, uh, and uh, I remember being called into the vestry to pray with the pastor before the meeting. And he had, he had the sound of what was going on in the auditorium into his, into his office. And he, I, was, I, was listening. I said, I said, Pastor, I said, can we pray quick so I can get out there and join them? <laughs> And, and I went out there and I joined my wife, and she was up and just waving her hands about, and dancing, and, and they were singing "Shake the Devil Off, Shake the Devil Off," and they were, and they were really going for it. And by gum, it was it was such an easy place to preach in. They, you could have said "Bob's your uncle," and they'd have cheered and said "Hallelujah." I won't try that here, though. Okay. But um, no, it's it's fantastic, God. God, yeah, hallelujah. God definitely wants to put a smile on your face. And Holy Ghost smile, hallelujah. He wants to fill you with the joy of the Lord. And He also, He also wants, if you've not experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, That's the most amazing thing that God wants to do for you today. He wants to baptize you in his Holy Spirit to give you power to witness, power to live, power to rise above your circumstances. And he wants to give you the gift of speaking in tongues. Don't believe those people who say not everybody speaks in tongues. Of course they don't because they don't want to. But God wants to give you the gift of tongues because it's an amazing gift. The gift of tongues has helped transform my life, staved off depression, stave off fear. Whenever I feel afraid, I can pray in tongues. You know, there's been many times you don't know what to pray. You pray in tongues and God gives you revelation. It's a most amazing gift. And God's a good father and he wouldn't give it to some of his kids and not to others. That's for sure. So look, if you're baptised in the Spirit, expect to speak in new yeah. tongues. And liberation will come to, on the inside of you. You really will. Transform me from being a shy Christian to being a Christian who can't shut up about Jesus. Okay? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's 10th of February 1972. That's, that's, it's so embedded in my, in my consciousness. That night when the Holy Spirit came upon me. And I began to flow in tongues. And I was like a drunkard. Hallelujah. Do you want to be drunk? You want to be drunk in the Holy Spirit? Yes. Hallelujah. Well, open up your heart right now. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray and receive.